Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Pirelli Scorpion Weather Active. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The Volume. The Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Basketball, football, they have awesome new and existing user promotions. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You can get your winnings back in two hours. My favorite, the same game parlays. You can bet five or ten bucks in one 150 bucks or more. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Get started now. Sign up promo code Colin so they know we and I sent you. The Colin Coward Podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Hi, everybody. Welcome in. Ian O'Connor, New York Post columnist, my favorite columnist in the country. He's written great books on Derek Jeter called The Captain, Belichick, Coach K, The Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. I've read all of them, just finished the Coach K book. He's got to talk Giants, Yankees, Derek Jeter, what to do with Daniel Jones, Live Golf Tour, which just made a stop in the Northeast and Phil Mickelson got heckled, and some Tom Brady stuff, the revelation in 2019. He was talking to the Dolphins owner uh, while he was a member of the Patriots. So I went back about four or five years, and I was looking at the last four or five years of NFL standings. On average, there are about eight to nine what I would call Super Bowl teams. These are double-digit win teams, uh, 10 and 6 or better with a 16-game schedule. Now, I think those teams have to be uh, – it feels like to me a Super Bowl team should have 11 wins – be sort of, um, you know, 11 and 6 to me. Feels like a Super Bowl team. So an elite team, very good. Then the league has about 10 to 12 teams in the middle, right, that are potential playoff teams, probably too many holes to be a Super Bowl team. And then about 10, 10 really bad teams, 10 really bad teams. Somewhere, and I say bad, I mean four games under 500 or worse. So so I tried to, before the season starts, I thought, okay, I'm going to put them in those three groups. Very good teams capable of winning a Super Bowl. There's 13 I have. This is the biggest number I can ever remember thinking. Not saying they will, but I think they could get breaks. Buffalo, Kansas City, Chargers, Denver, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Niners, Tampa, Rams, Arizona, Green Bay, Minnesota. That's 12. Then I have 10 teams that I consider can't win a Super Bowl, but several redeeming qualities. In the NFC, it's very few. Washington, Dallas, and Philly. In the AFC, Indy, Tennessee, Cleveland, New England, Miami, and Las Vegas. Can't win a Super Bowl. Could win, could win 10 games, maybe 11. But they've got somewhere they've got a hole. Maybe it's a coaching hole in Dallas. Maybe it's a perimeter playmaker hole like New England. Maybe it's a distraction hole like Cleveland. Or or maybe it's just um, good, not special quarterback, Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill. So I have 12 teams, Buffalo, Kansas City, Chargers, Denver, Baltimore, Cincy, Minnesota, Green Bay, Arizona, Rams, Tampa, Niners, I think are really special teams. Maybe a hole, not several. I've got 10, I think, have several redeeming qualities. Um, Again, Dallas, Washington, Philly in the NFC, Raiders, Steelers, Miami, New England, Cleveland, Tennessee, Indy in the AFC. And that leaves 10 really bad teams in the NFL. Jets, Giants, Jacksonville, Houston, Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina, Seattle, Chicago. I think they're going to be awful. And Detroit. Now, some people like Detroit. I've looked at the schedule. I think they're a seven-win team, six to seven-win team. That's it. I think they play the Jets. That may be a win. 
So that that's what you have, about a 12-team Super Bowl bubble, 10 that have a chance to make the playoffs additionally, 22 teams out of 32 could make the playoffs, and 10 that are garbage, with Detroit being probably the most talented of those teams. That's That feels right to me. I don't like to be a buzzkill, but when I went back and looked at the last four to five years, you generally had somewhere between seven and 10 really bad teams, bad being four games under 500 or more. Um, I think Seattle and Atlanta are next level bad. And then I think Chicago, New Orleans, uh, Houston, Giants are really close. Some thoughts over the weekend, uh, I contacted a member of the LA Rams front office regarding Matt Stafford's uh, like tendonitis. And it was a story last week. Um, and I've said, I've, I've had tendonitis. It was more tennis. It's annoying as hell, but you can still play tennis. And I got a hold of somebody inside the Rams organization and they said, Stafford had this last year and he's got it this camp. And the way to heal it is rest. So they're trying to kind of figure out a way to, um, you know, just have him throw less. Now, the good news for the Rams, as they point out, outside of Allen Robinson, everybody returns. So everybody, the coach, the receivers, the tight ends, uh, they've got a rookie running back from Notre Dame, but by and large, he doesn't need a ton of practice time. And they have a capable backup. And this this team's good enough to win some games with a backup. But uh, they don't believe, the Rams do not believe Matt Stafford's going to miss games. It's painful and it's annoying for anybody that's had some inflammation, some tendonitis, but he's going to play. The other story this weekend around the NFL champs, the Rams, OBJ. According to Ian Rappaport, they're interested, but they haven't agreed to terms yet. My feeling, and I said this after last year, my feeling how the Rams want to play OBJ. He's popular in the room. Cooper Cup is a volume receiver. And when you get that many throws and that many targets and are used that often in a 17-game schedule, you know, there's a little concern. He's been hurt before in his career. Then you have Allen Robinson, and now you have the number three receiver, uh, Van Jefferson, is banged up. And then you have to rely on a couple of very, very young receivers that neither one is really ready to be an, a one, two, or a three. So I think the play with OBJ is keep him around. Keep him around as long as you have. The ability to. Now, at the trading deadline, somebody's going to be looking for OBJ, and they think he'll be ready sometime uh, after the trading deadline. But what the Rams have been able to do, they were they did this with Von Miller. They told him publicly they loved him. They sort of rehabbed uh, a little bit of his game. Uh, he fit perfectly into the system. Then somebody else comes and pays the big money. And I think what the Rams have really become in the NFL, they've become sort of a rehab center where if you, Dante Fowler, if you are underwhelming, uh, Jalen Ramsey, you're viewed as sort of problematic, uh, talented, but a bit of a diva. Uh, your OBJ, oh, that didn't work in Cleveland. Uh, Von Miller, you're past your prime. You're not really worth the money. I think what the Rams have shown is the culture is so strong. They can bring those guys in. Um, they help the team win, but they don't necessarily sign them to long-term deals. And I think they wouldn't say it publicly. I think that's what OBJ is, is that he's had so many injuries that they're hoping, yeah, we'll, we'll sign you, but you're going to do a team-friendly deal. Um, I mean, at this point, I don't think OBJ is somebody I would guarantee two years of money to, certainly not three. So, But I do think he has value on a team where Van Jefferson's hurt, Cooper Cup has so many touches, and the young guys aren't really ready to make an impact in the outcome of games. So keep your eye on that. There's that balance of loving the player publicly, maybe needing the player, but not wanting to give him a long-term contract. And they've already got a few out there with Stafford and Cup and Jalen Ramsey. Bobby Wagner now got some pretty good money for a couple of years. So keep your eye on that with OBJ. I do think they'll keep him past the trading deadline. And with Van Jefferson's knee, Cooper Cup's volume, He's not a bad guy to have around the room. OBJ fits LA. He fits the city. He fits the culture. And he made a huge impact by his second game as a Ram. Let's go to Ian O'Connor, New York Post columnist, my fave. 
He is a regular at the volume. Ian O'Connor, to me, as good a sports columnist as the country has. New York Post, also four-time New York Times bestseller. He wrote The Captain, The Journey of Derek Jeter, which, by the way, I'm watching now. And what I think is interesting about it is I heard some of the critics said, well, you got to be a Yankee fan to enjoy it. Totally disagree. I've been engaged. I, I, it makes me romanticize how big baseball was even 12 years ago. You know, 15 years ago, it feels like the NFL. These games were happening in October. And I'm like, I don't even remember the NFL story back then. It, it, and this right now, obviously, Ian, in New York, between the surging Mets and the Yankees, uh, and out here we have the Dodgers and the Padres in an arms race. So like you and I live in this coastal baseball cloud, right? But it does feel like baseball was bigger then in most of the country. I mean, when you, when you, I watch the captain, I'm like, I can't believe how into baseball I was. Yeah. And listen, it's been 13 years since the Yankees have won a championship. And, and it feels like 30 years because the history of the franchise, the mission statement is to win it every year. Of course, that's an impossible goal to achieve, but it, it does feel like it's been a long time. Of course, the Mets haven't won it since 86. But I think that yeah, when the Mets and Yankees are are going fairly strong at the same time, which which is a rarity in New York, right. it is such a great baseball town. I think New York at its core, there might actually be more football fans in New York than baseball fans, but it really is a baseball town. That's what New York is. And and I think we're seeing that now. And, and right now, the way the Mets are playing and the way the Yankees have played the last 25 games or so, the Mets are probably the better team, which is hard to believe. I wouldn't have said that certainly five weeks ago, but the Mets right now with DeGrom coming back right. and looking incredible, if he could stay healthy, which is a huge if, I think the Mets are going to be a really tough out. Alex Rodriguez throughout most of the country is seen as a little um, artificial, right? You know, it's, it's um, you know, the celebrity relationships and, you know, too good looking to be true. You did you did get a championship. You get a World Series championship with him. And as I watch, you know, Jeter and A-Rod and, you know, the relationship is what you would have predicted it would have been. Whereas it was never close. It I think it's hard to be close to A-Rod. And I know him and I like him, but I, I think I think they're different people. You know, one's got a strong family. And one always felt like he was kind of a hired gun. You know, he would go where the commerce was. Um, how how today, I know how A-Rod is, is viewed to a lot of America. How is he viewed in New York today? Because he did he did help get them a ring. That helps some, but it's it's nowhere near where uh, or how Derek Jeter is perceived by by New Yorkers, certainly without question. And I, I think you said a little artificial, I would say probably a lot artificial, just based on the fact that much of his career is is tainted. And you have to look at him. He's, he's certainly a great player. He's got historic numbers and he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. But the fact is that he used PEDs for, I would think, a significant percentage of his career, if not most of it. And the evidence is there that that's the case. And so comparing him to Jeter, who is looked at anyway as a representative of the non-PED superstar, it's I think most New Yorkers would tell you that it's night and day that even though A-Rod did help the Yankees win a championship, uh, Jeter, of course, helped them win five. And there was never any hint of, of PED use in his career, certainly. So I, I just think they're on different planets in New York. Yeah. You said nationally, but I think in the city as well. I, uh, A-Rod and, and how he's sort of cleansed his image to some degree in, in terms of as a broadcaster, as a media personality. I've never bought into that. The people I know who are Yankee fans haven't either. And I... I sometimes wonder really how ESPN and other entities really treat him as someone who is embraced nationally and in New York. I don't think he is. And, but uh, he's done very well for himself. I wish him no ill will, of course, but I wonder really if the people who employ him understand that. I, I, I just don't think that fans around the country really now embrace him any more than they did when he was a player. 
football's right around the corner. And FanDuel Sportsbook's here to help make every moment more because right now, new customers to FanDuel get a no-sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. Got to use the promo code Colin when you place your first bet. And FanDuel gives you $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. You can bet win totals, division winners, Super Bowl winner, MVP, national champ. Great promotions daily. Get paid fast, safe and secure. No better place to get ready for the football season than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app right now. Please use the promo code Colin to get started with your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 with FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-800-270-717 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-HO P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 in New York, Tennessee. Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com slash colin tirerack.com the way tire buying should be when i watched i've I've gone through four episodes so far and they keep replaying him so i'm going to go back and you wrote the book obviously the captain Derek jeter um the Steinbrenner stuff, it, you know, it's it's really interesting. When I watched that Michael Jordan documentary, the people uh, that I was supposed to not like, I kind of found endearing at times, right? Like like Jordan's bad behavior, it, it, I found it sort of endearing in a way that he was he was so deeply flawed, but he cared so much. And for all the Steinbrenner nonsense, the one thing I thought about watching that, Ian, is that George was so intense and hard on everybody, including Jeter for years because of his partying that by the time you got to the postseason, and you had him riding your ass in Seattle in game 38, <laughs> you know, and demanding excellence that it kind of, it kind of created a little bit of a metal with the team that they had this sort of force field around them that George's constant Almost beyond, it's almost comical how much he cared in June, how much he cared about the coverage that it kind of prepped you for the postseason that you were like, we've got this guy breathing down our neck. These these playoff series are nothing. Maybe that's a reach by me and maybe I'm too far removed from it, but I, I maybe I'm romanticizing it. But I thought, you know, the, the value was. The intensity. This team was so good in big spots. Is some of it George? Yes. Yeah, and I think Jeter would tell you that too. I think Jeter enjoyed that part of his ownership. He didn't enjoy when he called him out for 
partying when that that was a bit of a stretch. Jeter certainly uh, was not a party animal. And there was a headline that he hated in the in the Daily News when he said he didn't have to change anything. It became party on. And, <laughs> and so he didn't enjoy that. And he had a, a good time in New York. It, it's amazing that he was able to sort of navigate uh, the biggest and loudest marketplace in the country as long as he did without really getting involved in, in trouble or any sort of scandal. That the, the very few people pulled that off in New York and beyond at his level. But I think he did enjoy George and, and his appetite and hunger for success, his willingness to spend what it took to put a championship level team on the field. And I remember in 98, that team, that's the best team that George Steinbrenner ever had, won 114 games, ended up sweeping San Diego in the World Series. So they won 125 games in all. They were one and four out of the gate, if I remember correctly. And there was already talk of Joe Torrey being in trouble. <laughs> it was criminal. <laughs> Torrey wins in 96, gets knocked out by Cleveland in 97 in the playoffs. That was Georgia's hometown team. So that was a sin. But they get off. I believe they were one and four in 98. And there was already talk about Torrey being in trouble. They win 114 games that year and win the whole thing. Of course, they won it again in 99 and then beat the Mets in the World Series in 2000. But yes, you're right. George deserves credit for being part of the fuel behind that dynasty without question. And not just because he was willing to spend on high-end talent, but he did establish a, a culture that hardened the Yankees for the postseason challenges that they faced. And I do think, despite his flaws and mistakes, and there were many of those too, that he does deserve credit for those four championships in five years. You know, I was looking at Aaron Judge is having a monster year. He's going to end up, he's on pace to hit like 63 jacks. And they're tied into John Carlos Stanton until 2028. And if they gave Judge a deal, you know, baseball deals, it'd be an eight-year deal. And I'm like, it sounds so obvious. You have to give him a deal in. Good God. You'd be tied into these two very similar players, both with injury histories, for the next like eight years, seven years combined. And I just think, uh, maybe the analytics say it, you do that. It just doesn't feel nimble. It does. It feels like, a, you know, even with the Yankees payroll, I mean, judge because of this year is going to get it. I, I just, I, it, it's, I never liked the John Carlos Stanton move. What, what do you make of, I mean, going forward, they would just, that would be the team. That would be the, you know, Garrett Cole, and those two bombers, that would kind of be the construct going forward of the team, in your opinion? Well, yeah. And and listen, the one thing about Stanton, Colin, is look at his postseason numbers. They're, now, it's a shorter sample size compared to Judge, but they're better than Judge's. He's proven he could play at a high level in the postseason. That gets overlooked a lot. But go back and look at particularly his last two or three series in October with the Yankees. He was really good. And yeah, there's injury history. and But Judge, he's a guy who could play center field. He won't. Now that they've added uh, Bader, he's going to go from being a sort of a mediocre center fielder to a to a very good right fielder again. The one thing that I found fascinating and I thought was underwritten about and undercovered and under talked about in New York was we had a six foot seven, 282 pound guy playing center field for the New York Yankees and playing it effectively at just the position of, of Mantle, DiMaggio and company. To have an athlete that size handle that position, I don't know if enough fans around baseball really grasped or celebrated that fact. It was, to me, an amazing thing to see a, a power forward in the NBA playing center field for the Yankees <laughs> and doing a good job and also hitting uh, home runs at a Ruthian pace, actually better than a Ruthian pace. And I'd like to see him do it. He carries himself the right way. He is, he should already be the captain of the Yankees. I'm not sure why he isn't, but he is the rightful successor to, to Jeter. If he gets his contract, my suspicion is they'll name him captain. Cashman is not big on the whole captain thing. He's on record saying that once Jeter was done, there should be no more captains in, in the Yankee franchise. I don't necessarily agree with that, but Judge certainly has, has earned that right. And, but I, the Yankees have a problem with Houston. OK, that Houston, the Astros have had their number in the postseason and in the regular season this year. So 
if they write themselves, and I think they will, they'll certainly win that division. Will they beat the Astros in the ALCS? I think most Yankee fans will tell you right now, Colin, no, they won't. Yeah. And Cole is not pitching like an ace. Stanton hurt. And you look at Michael King in the bullpen, that injury really affected them. And now Clay Holmes, all of a sudden, who looked like the best closer in the world outside of Edwin Diaz, he's been struggling. So they've got issues now that they have to resolve, but they're good enough to do it. But again, they haven't done it since 2009. So the Yankee fans I know believe they will lose to Houston in the ALCS. I think the Mets are going to win the National League. Walker Bueller's probably not going to pitch for the Dodgers. They only pay him $4 million a year. As somebody close to the franchise told me that if you're only paying him four, it's not worth bringing him back, risking an injury. We've got Kershaw now. He's got back pain as he ages. And I think Scherzer is the best big game pitcher probably for my money right now. If I got one, I get eight innings. From a starter in baseball, I would take Max Scherzer. Just his passion, his gravity. Um, no, I, th- I think the Mets and the I think the Mets are going to end up in the World Series. I'm not sure they're going to win it. You know, I I think I may have said this to you last time we talked. Is that even though the Yankees have a much richer history, I always feel like on social media. And when I lived in the Northeast, there were more Met fans. And I, for the life of me, could never figure it out. Now, it could be my Twitter account. It could have been who <laughs> I was around. But it is it is kind of um, an interesting balance. There's, It's almost like normal people. Maybe the, maybe the Wall Street guys are Yankee fans. It appeals to that favorite, right? The, the guy in the lead. I always feel like there's a working class Mets fan base out there, not just because they're in Queens. I, what is the split in 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 the boroughs, Yankees, Mets to you? No, that's it. It's Long Island. It's Queens. It's Brooklyn. That's Mets country. Uh, most of Manhattan, the Bronx, Westchester, northern New Jersey, I would say more uh, Yankees, of course. But I think that's a pretty good read on it. And, and when you go back to the 80s and 86, this was really a National League Mets town. The Mets can be the team in New York. That can happen. I've seen it certainly in my lifetime. I would say just the volume of championships the, the Yankees have won since the, the mid-90s would make it a Yankee town. But, but the, the city is willing to, to turn over to the Mets. That, that can happen. I'm, I'm a little, I'm not as quite as optimistic as you are, Colin, that they'll make, they'll reach the World Series. I, I think when you put the Mets on the same field with the Padres this year, it looked to me like the Padres were actually the better team. And and I don't know about the Dodgers. The Dodgers are going to have home field advantage in that NLCS if it plays out that way. But the Padres got better. And before they got better, when they played the Mets, it looked to me like San Diego was the superior team. So uh, it's going to be a fascinating watch. I think Buck Showalter, former Yankee manager, he could have won it all in 94. Of course, there wasn't a World Series in 94, but he believes that the Yankees, his Yankees were going to win it all that year. They never got a chance to play for it. 95, they made the playoffs for the first time in that franchise in, what, 14 years. Lost yeah. that classic series to, to Seattle. And it may be the best baseball series I've ever seen. A lot of people say it sort of brought them back to baseball after the 94 cancellation of the World Series. But to see Buck Showalter's Mets face his old team, the Yankees, in a World Series would be something else. I'm just not sure, as well as the Mets are playing, that they'll get there given the the teams they, they'd have to get through. Yeah, I think the Padres have more high-end talent than almost anybody except the Dodgers in baseball. I don't know if I trust their pitching, whereas if I get Scherzer twice and DeGrom twice in a seven-game series, I again, I just feel like when Scherzer takes the mound, you get seven and two-thirds. Let's pivot to the NFL. I think one of the things that's really um, – illustrates the power of the National Football League is they have grown exponentially and did it for years without a Los Angeles franchise. I mean, literally, the the fifth biggest economy in the world, there was no NFL franchise here for, you know, years. Now, the two New York franchises are virtually unwatchable and the league continues to explode, whereas baseball needs the Yankees or the Dodgers or, or the Braves and college football needs, you know, your, your Ohio States, your Notre Dames. Uh, the NFL simply does not. It, the Packers could be the most popular team and that would be just fine. 
Um, my, my takeaway on both these franchises is that I think Zach Wilson's more talented than Daniel Jones. I said he reminded me of Johnny Manziel, little cocky, little hero ball, a lot of mistakes, but a really gifted arm. I just don't I don't see it with Daniel Jones. I thought he was a reach. Um, there are a lot of reports the Mara family is going to force this coaching staff to give give Daniel Jones because they live through the Eli Manning years where he struggled for the first several years. I think we're in a new time, Ian. I think quarterbacks now come out of high school with 10,000 snaps. All these camps, the individual coaching, it did not exist when Eli Manning was 14. And so I think you have to be harder on these guys. You get two years, not three. If the Giants start, and they historically do, if they start one and six, do you think there's a chance that they would go out and get a Jimmy Garoppolo? They would make a deal? I mean, this how many years? God, Ian, it's been nine years. They, they've been bad for eight of them. I mean, do you think Tyrod Taylor's not the answer? You're going to have the Mets and the Yankees in the playoffs? If the Jets start winning, the Knicks land Donovan Mitchell? I mean, do you want to be buried in New York for five months? I mean, honestly, if the Giants get off to a lousy start, do you think they could make some moves at that position, the quarterback position? It's possible. I, I think the more likely scenario, and I mentioned this the other day in a column that uh, Dana Jones is two and six and they go to Tyrod Taylor, who was a competent NFL starter. He's certainly the best backup they've had in a long time. They had Mike Glennon last year. He's a major upgrade on Glennon, who got Joe Judge fired. So I think Jones actually has the ability to be a second-tier quarterback in the NFL at 6'5". Yeah, he looked like a reach at, at the sixth overall pick in 2019, certainly. And, and you, you wonder, you look at uh, his pedigree, and he sort of looks like Eli, talks like Eli, acts like Eli, but doesn't play like Eli. And so that's been the problem. He now, as I wrote, has no excuses. He's got... Patrick Mahomes is coach as his offensive coordinator, right? He doesn't have uh, Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens anymore. He's got a major upgrade there. He's got some weapons on the outside. I think Robinson, the kid they drafted, adding him to Tony if he stays healthy. Shepard comes back at some point healthy. He's got two tackles now drafted in the top seven of their respective drafts. Okay, so uh, he's he's got some things to work. A healthy Saquon Barkley. He's now taken thousands of snaps in practices and games in the NFL. It's his fourth year. He has no excuse. So if he gets out of the gate one and six, I think they'll go to Taylor if they haven't made a move for Garoppolo, which I think would be tough under the cap for them to do. But it's a possibility. And I think at this point, you're looking at the GM and the coach who are brand new rookies at, at both positions, Shane and Dable, saying, OK, we're going to start over next year with a rookie quarterback we're going to draft, one of the top kids in college, and that's going to buy us an extra year. We get to start our, our own clocks over again. So I don't know if you'd want to go to Garoppolo, maybe just wait and draft your quarterback next year. And by the way, that buys the GM and the head coach one more year. You get to start over. And I think that's the more likely scenario. Yeah, no, it is. You know, they say they, you know, the Giants don't have cap space for Garoppolo, but it is remarkable how teams like the Rams just figure out a way to do it. Um, you know, this this thing can be so manipulated by the really smart GMs. Yeah, I, I always use the Chicago Bears as an example. They're not terribly well run. They literally couldn't afford to keep Khalil Mack. Uh, and the Rams signed Bobby Wagner on top of Ramsey and Donald. And they're paying Goff and they're paying Stafford and they're paying OBJ. And now they pay Cooper Cup and they paid Allen Robinson. And literally the Bears are like, we can't pay Khalil Mack. And I'm like, you're not paying your quarterback. <laughs> You don't have a second good receiver. Like some of these teams don't know what they're doing. And I think a lot of this, why I give the the Jets about three years to get out of this, I, I think they're just digging themselves out of a mess. I do like the last two drafts for the Jets. I just don't know if Salah's it. Um, but I think the Giants are a bit of a mess. And I do th I think your I think your theory makes it makes a lot of sense. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Continental Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Continental test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. And now newly minted first-round picks like number one overall Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net with some of their first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out their most popular brands like Prism, Select, Donruss, and more, including Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen, such as Draft Night Instance. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Colin Cowherd Show. One other thing I wanted to talk to you about is live golf. So it's it's not been a popular stance by me, but my takeaway has been, listen, because the region's toxic, our government has had a relationship with Saudi Arabia for a long time, despite 9-11 and despite um, killing a journalist. I said, English Premier League teams are owned by the Saudis. There's been golf tournaments there. They're all over sports. So I'm not going to destroy golfers for taking the money. I wouldn't, but I'm not going to destroy them. But I did notice when they played a tournament recently out in the East, Phil Mickelson got heckled. And I thought it was just as much as I supported them. I thought, no, this is this is why I wouldn't take money. I've been to 9-11 site twice. I just couldn't do it. Now, maybe it's 100 million. Maybe I think differently. Um when you you have a rich history of covering golf, you know the sport well. Rick Riley came in my show. He was just he, he said it's terrible. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about oil and iPhones from China. Where do you kind of land on all of it? it? It's it feels gross, but you are a leading columnist in the city that was attacked most believe um, by or led by the Saudi Arabian government. So how does it land for you? Yeah, my wife was actually at the first bombing in '93 of the World Trade Center. She was right across the street and her building swayed and she thought her building was bombed. I remember her calling me for, and uh, the terrorists in 93 said, we're going to come back and knock it down. And they did. And and so, yeah, it's it's a very personal thing for me living in, in the New York City area for my entire life. But the PGA Tour, just looking at this from a business standpoint, they allowed this to happen. 
by not guaranteeing Tiger Woods and the stars of the game anything at the start of a season. You know, just think, LeBron James is basically guaranteed, what, for about $40 million at the beginning of the season. Tiger Woods is guaranteed the same amount of money I am by the PGA Tour at the start of the season. Zero. <laughs> so as long as they were going the non-guaranteed money route, there was going to be a rival league at some point that popped up, and this was not brand new. There had been other possibilities over, over recent years that a league, a rival league, would would challenge the PGA Tour with guaranteed money, and it happened. It just so happened that uh, the Saudi money is behind it, and it is blood money in, in a lot of ways. I think that the players who did it, Phil Mickelson and company, deserve to be criticized for doing it. But as far as banning them from playing, I, I, I don't go there. And I feel like let the fans decide if these guys are playing in the major championships and the fans want to. You're not going to see booing in golf, although I think it should be allowed. Generally, I, I don't think you're going to see that. But if they want to ignore these guys, not cheer their birdies at the 16th hole and during practice rounds at the Masters, where they cheer on players and want them to skip the ball across the pond at 16. If you want to not do that and not encourage the live guys, and there are ways of sort of penalizing them without banning them from competition. And I think if you've already earned your way into the major championships through criteria already in place before live, you should not be kicked out. I think you should be allowed to play the PGA tour. Do I think they're really concerned about abuses in Saudi Arabia any more than, than the average citizen? I would say, no, I think they're only concerned about crushing the competition. I think they look at live the way the NFL looked at the USFL in the eighties. We want to crush this potential threat and they allowed live to happen. It happened. More players are going to make the jump. I'm not a hater of it. I wouldn't do it like you. You're right. I've never been offered $100 million. So I guess I've never been in their shoes or $200 million. But I'm fairly certain I would say no. But it, it, I think that the PGA Tour here uh, allowed this to happen. And really, at the end of the day, what they're most concerned about is making sure a competitive threat is silenced. And so I just want sports fans who maybe don't follow golf that carefully to understand that, that yeah. this isn't about the PGA Tour being morally offended by the source of the money behind Live Golf. It's about the PGA Tour wanting to make sure a competitive league does not gain traction here to threaten their own business model, which, by the way, as you've seen, they've made changes. All of a sudden, there's extra tens of millions of dollars that they found that are going into purses. And oh, by the way, we're going to add three international no cut guaranteed for the top players tournaments. Where was this before Live Golf? This is kind of what Phil Mickelson and other stars were talking about. There was more money there and all of a sudden it appears. So I don't want to say the PGA Tour is full of you know what, but in some ways the PGA Tour is full of you know what. And yeah, that doesn't make me a fan of Live Golf, but I, I don't want to see them banned from competition. Let the fans decide. Let the fans treat them the way they feel they should be treated. So of your four New York Times bestsellers, read all of them. Um, one of them, of course, is Belichick. And uh, Brady is through that book. And so we find, we discover that Tom was flirting, you know, on a yacht with one of the co-owners of the Miami Dolphins. And, um, you know, I, I said the other day, I said, there's so much outrage on the Internet. And my take was Michael Jordan at the end of his career was flirting with Abe Pollan. Jeter immediately went into ownership. A story two weeks ago, NBA is going to Vegas and LeBron wants to be one of the owners. <laughs> and I'm like, if you have five hundred million dollars net worth. Rich guys, billionaires, one of the things they don't have beyond they can buy anything they don't have a lot of cool friends they've got you know other business people and they like to hang out with jeter or jordan or lebron or brady and i can see brady at the end of his career like michael and jeter and a lot of these guys lebron saying i'm not putting my money all in the market i've already owned six homes <laughs> you know it's like where do where what's the safest investment in the world and what do i know a, a pro sports franchise so like I look at it and I don't think less of him. But what's interesting, Ian, and you know this well, we've got deflate gate with Tom. We've got flirting with, you know, an NFL owner. Why 
he's a patriot. We have the Bruce Arians thing where it does appear he ran him out, but he won't own it. There's a connection to Trump, which makes some people uneasy. Is 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 Brady fooling us, or do you think it is Corey's a good guy and he's just so rich he's a little tone deaf to some of this stuff? Or or has some of this just been wonderful PR with Tom? Oh, I think uh, what you just said about him being a little tone deaf, uh, a rich, very successful man who is a little disconnected from reality. The rules don't apply to him. And I think you saw that, too, when he ran those workouts with Tampa Bay, when the union said, don't run these work during the pandemic. Right. And he just did them anyway. And I criticized him for that. And I do think I. I Put something out on Twitter after I saw what uh, went down and what the what the league found in terms of the tampering. I thought Tom Brady, that, that was a bad look. And I don't really care about the Tampa Bay part of it because that's when he's looking maybe to go into retirement, into ownership. And But when he's playing in 2019, starting in August of 2019, he knew he still wanted to play more. He just didn't want to play for Belichick anymore. And when he's talking to a division rival the entire season, numerous conversations, detailed conversations, that's what the league found. Man, he's, he is, like Jeter, the embodiment of the all-in player, all about winning 24-7. And during the course of the year, you're the starting quarterback for one team in the AFC East, and you're having multiple detailed conversations, negotiations with another team in the AFC East. And nobody seemed to care about that. I pointed that out. And most people were like, ah, this isn't a, a player issue. You're not going to punish the player. You always punish the, the recruiting ownership group. I, I, I felt like, wow, that was really, uh, it just, it just, it just hit me that here, here's a guy that he was all about being all in. And I find it hard to believe that he wasn't distracted at some point in the 2019 season as the, as the starting quarterback for the Patriots when he was negotiating with another franchise. So should he have been punished for that? I, I sort of think probably not, not a major punishment, but I think for his image as the ultimate competitor in the NFL, I, I thought that was a really bad look. And I think most people just gave him a pass on it. I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's sort of like Reagan was so popular. Um, you know, he's, he joked about bombing Russia. Popularity has a force field of its own. I mean, Michael Jordan, who had the first major shoe contract, that Nike shield around Michael Jordan, you can't penetrate it. He punched teammates. He quit twice. <laughs> I mean, it, it is. Popularity is a remarkable thing. And um and I, I sometimes I think I think I think Jeter had it, and I think I think Brady has it. I mean, it's it's look at this. The very last year, the last two years, he was in New England. Everybody had his jersey. It was still like number one in the league. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been in Green Bay for years, but his his jersey's twentieth right now. Twentieth. Tom's is one, and it was one until the end. In New England, I mean, I mean Rodgers is a back-to-back -back MVP. It's twentieth, so I, I think I, I look at Tom, and I'm a, a huge Brady um, advocate. But there's there's some drips, there's a leak in the faucet. There's been some tone deaf stuff. I didn't even think about the practice, and I think Tom's a good guy. But I do think, I really do think at his heart, he's a good guy. I, I think when you get that rich, Ian, and that famous, you just you can't relate. And I almost don't blame you. You literally. Don't go to the DMV. You don't go to an airport. You don't go to the grocery store. I mean, seriously, what, what kind right. of, it's not it's not a normal life. It's not. It's not. I I think he's the greatest football player ever. I mean, my dad once said that there would never be a greater football player than Jim Brown. And it, as an athlete, Tom's not on the same planet with people like Jim Brown, Lawrence Taylor, Walter Payton, and you think of some of the, the greats of the of the greats. But in terms of performance, body of work, and the significance of that position, he's not just the greatest quarterback ever. I think he's the greatest football player ever. So I have just a tremendous amount of respect. I do think at heart from doing the book and talking to a lot of his friends and people who really knew him, I do think he's a, definitely a good person. And I just think, yeah, there have been – and nobody has a perfect career. And when you're constantly in the public eye, you're going to make mistakes and people are going to know about them. And I think he's made a few – Whatever mistakes he made in Deflategate, 
and negotiating with another franchise while you're playing quarterback for the Patriots. I, I had a problem with that. I had a problem with him running multiple practices when the union said, don't do it during the pandemic because you're putting people at risk and, and risking maybe the start of the season. If we have everybody running these practices and that was right in the, in the heart of the pandemic. And so, yeah, but I think his, the bogeys on his scorecard are manageable and he's got more birdies than everybody else. So that's, that's why he, he should go down as the greatest football player who ever lived. Ian O'Connor, New York Post. You can see over his right shoulder, the captain, Coach K, Belichick. You see all those books right behind him. Read them. I have. They're fantastic. As always, it's great talking to you. I appreciate it, ma'am. Hey, anytime. Thanks, Colin. volume make sure to check out the draymond green show i brought draymond green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports unique perspective understands behind the rope also chops up with guests like gary payton zach levine tracy mcgrady make sure download the draymond green show wherever you get your podcasts only on the volume podcast network Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.